welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined as always by my crazy cast of characters, Ryan Brath, Gene Prenti, Chris McCormick. Boys, we are now got Thanksgiving in the rear view, Christmas coming up. As usual, want to take the temperature of the group. How are we doing? Excited? <laughs> the only guy here who didn't have a Thanksgiving, I guess, the one who's excited. No, that would that would have been two of us. I spent my Thanksgiving in uh, Kyoto, Japan, having a twelve course omakase sushi meal. Sick. How many <laughs> courses did you get through? Oh, it, it's it, when you think of a course, it's kind of funny. A course is one piece of nigiri sushi, <laughs> but it's really well crafted and it's really flavorful. No soy sauce already been marinated and just put down on your plate with delicacy and uh yeah pretty amazing pretty amazing but yeah i finished my three week whirlwind multi-continent adventure starting three weeks ago with the rna then came back for the top 100 i was home for four days flew out to scottsdale with you guys for the top 100 summit home for two days and i just could not change the schedule it was the only time that it worked in my schedule flew out to kobe japan to install a robot at sumitomo monday through wednesday and it just didn't work getting back on thursday so i had to fly back on friday so i went up to kyoto i'd never been there and checked out some of their zen gardens and a lot of their food for two days and flew home but uh, interesting things coming out of Sumitomo. They are still really, really, you know, pushing and innovating on the Exio line, um, which is their lightweight line, high end. That uh, if you can afford it, you should look at it because it really is that kind of distance increase for any club head speeds below 70 75 miles an hour you can really see a benefit um and you know it's really good i mean during player yeah. testing the the zexio stuff at, without fail was always a very popular option for the you know 65 and older crowd yep they yep. they just eat that stuff up it's got a really yep. high price tag like you said but if you got if you got deep pockets and you're one of those snowbirds, like we had a we had a bunch of them going through player testing in Arizona, seven hundred dollar driver, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty amazing, and their uh, their golf balls are. I mean, they uh, man, you know, I think I talked about this previously, but it's just it's so wild when you go to Japan because, like I said, the whole country has it you know, OCD, but when it comes to quality control and the way that they test and the things that they look at, it's just on a different level than anything in the States. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a pretty impressive company. Yeah. So for those that, that don't know, as you're, as you're talking about Sumitomo, that's under the, for, I guess for North America, it's Dunlop sports and that covers, Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, Zexio. So yes. three three major brands. There it's Sumitomo's is uh 
rubbers, right? It's, it's the yeah. So Sumitomo, Sumitomo <laughs> Rubber Industry, you know, one of the biggest tire companies around, but they're part of a, a you know, there's Sumitomo Bank. I mean, it's a massive conglomerate um, that has really kind of grown and you know matured post World War II in Japan. But they are um, they are one of the top. Uh, manufacturers of golf equipment in Japan. And then they, uh, you know, started their first kind of forays into the U.S. market maybe 15 years ago. And they created the Srixon brand, which is Sumitomo Rubber Industries, not the most unique name, but that's how they started. Um, they kind of floundered a little bit as Srixon in the beginning. But their main their main goal was uh, golf balls, and you know they're really leaders in, in golf ball technology. And, and then they um, and then they purchased um, Cleveland, and as they purchased Cleveland, that gave them kind of a you know a foothold in the American market. And then from there, they were able to market Srixon, and then Exio has been uh, kind of their Dunlop brand. Uh, over in Japan, which, you know, they probably brought over maybe six, seven years ago or so. And that's kind of been a, uh, that's been almost a kind of an organic growth type thing. I mean, they do a little bit of marketing, but it's more word of mouth amongst people that can afford high-end golf equipment that don't swing very fast. And, you know, they, uh, they make really good stuff for the slow swinging player. Yeah. There's everything you ever want to know about Sumitomo. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like they, they had um, like they came in with the like it was like get your Strix on. They had the shark golf bag. They had that red, like kind of fairly aggressive like red and white branding. Um, but it's always like, you know, when you look at golf companies, I always think like it's kind of the same reason like banks and equipment manufacturing, like not equipment. I, I see equipment manufacturing, I mean, like, you know, sport like um, like John Deere and things like that. They get into these, they get into golf because they're golfers and they love it and they like sponsoring it and they like hanging out and ATT, like all those executives and all that kind of fun stuff, right? Like they get into golf because they're curious about it and they can produce things. Like if you look at Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi makes golf shafts, but they also produce the raw pre-preg material that they distribute to other shaft manufacturers that use like Mitsubishi materials within their um within their golf shafts, as well as you know, they make freaking cars and they make carbon fiber for airplanes and they do all of this stuff. And then it's like, Oh yeah, by the way, we make golf shafts as well. <laughs> like, as you know, if, if you're, it's like kind of like organ, not like not to say they're organized crime, but if you follow organized crimes, like just follow the money, <laughs> just look, look who's up the pyramid. We're not and saying see, like, organized crime. Stuff. <laughs> it's insane because we are not, we are not advocating that position. That is right no. position alone. And we do not stand. No, I hear what you're saying though. And it, it, it is interesting that if you look at an org chart, or revenue chart golf is going to be way down there on you know on the amount of revenue it generates in relation to their core businesses but and you know it would be interesting to go back and see a history of it how they got in but i guarantee you it was probably a bunch of golf sickos in the c-suite who went hey let's uh let's let's try to make some uh let's try to make some golf products out of this and uh get a few cool trips along the way type thing. So well, yeah, I, I don't think say, you're far I, off on that. I won't say who we talked to the other day, but we, we were talking about golf balls and construction leading into 2023. And 
you know, we were talking about the marketing side of stuff and, you know, like how the consumer perceives like changes to a golf ball and changes to like equipment and all those different elements of like what goes into like an individual piece. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, yeah, but we changed the isothermic reaction of this to change this. And it's like, people don't really get that. It's just tell them it's longer and faster. <laughs> Cause like yeah. I started asking the nerdy questions. I was like, okay, so how does this relate to that? Right. And that's where you get, you have chemists that work on rubber same with like Bridgestone as an example. I right? think like Bridgestone makes tires for airplanes that land at 150, 300 miles, whatever, 300 miles an hour. They need to be really durable. Like guys, they can design a golf ball cover. Well, and it's really funny when you talk to those guys because, you, you know, you talk to the non-scientific golfer and they look at you and they go, is there really technology in a golf ball? <laughs> you know, it's white and it's got dimples. I mean, it, it looks like something yeah. that, you know, uh, is about as untechnological as it comes. And when you explain the differences in the multi-cores and how the dimples affect and, and the different materials and how they compress against the face, and what kind of flight characteristics they call, they, they create, people just go, wow, that's nuts. So, yeah, now, it's kind of wild. Uh, Gene, another, another thing that might be uh, – mother. I was going to say, another thing that golfers might find nuts um, is uh, when it comes to technology is how much technology is packed in. It's been two weeks, man. In, we haven't had a chance to babble. Go ahead. Holy is, uh, smokes. How much technology can be found in the MLM portable launch monitor from Rapsodo? Oh, there which, it is. RB, know, back on track. I, 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 All I right. felt like I was getting set up. He, he didn't want to continue the conversation. He just Holy wanted to crap. get his moment to shine. <laughs> The floor so, is yours, RB. Thank you. Run All away. Right. So when I talk of the MLM, I'm talking about Rapsodo's portable uh, mobile launch monitor, which is the number one rated personal launch monitor on the market today. Features incredible data that allows you to use your phone along with the the radar inside of the device to track your shots, be able to um, understand your distance, create visual charts about your accuracy and consistency through the bag, club the club. And all of this is combined in this tiny little unit that clips to the side of your golf bag. So it's about the size of a range finder and you can take it anywhere. And right now, Rapsodo is offering a $150 discount off of the MLM or $200 discount off the MLM when you purchase their premium subscription bundle package at rapsodo.com. And what the premium package offers is their new performance combine, which was co-designed by industry-leading and trusted golf expert, Dr. Sasha McKenzie. I have to let you know once again that he is Canadian. Um, and it utilizes over 100,000 shots by PGA Tour-level data and 20 years of data directly from Dr. McKenzie himself and his work to help you understand your skill level based on your handicap and where you can improve to better understand you know, what you're putting into your game and to get the most out of it when you are practicing. So again, uh, right now, you can go to rapsoto.com and up now until December 4th, you get $150 discount off the MLM or $200 off the MLM and their premium subscription bundle package. So you can practice better and have a plan to shoot lower scores. There we All are. Right. There we go. Well, I don't want to even get into any topics yet because I don't even think the serial killer has had a chance to speak yet. I want to know how was, how was your was, Thanksgiving, buddy? I was letting Gene just yeah, just, just let go. him go. He was, just let, <laughs> let Gene and Arby go. They're 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 off the rails. We can't catch them. Just let them go. I uh, I did not do the traditional Thanksgiving this year either. Uh, actually, went down and shocker, no surprise to anybody, uh, spent Thanksgiving in Disney World in Orlando. 
Oh, big surprise. So, there. <laughs> yep. Big, big surprise. Mr. Right? Disney. I think uh, at one point in time, I even took a call with you guys while I was on seven dwarfs mind train, which was pretty awesome. Oh wow. Now, did you have a giant, one of those giant Turkey legs though? Cause that would like, that would kind of make it somewhat traditional. I mean, I did not have a giant Turkey like this trip. I have partaken in the past, but no, I had a, uh, not to, not to sound snooty, but our Thanksgiving dinner was at La Cellier in Epcot, and we uh, we went the filet mignon route for Thanksgiving dinner. Strong, strong, so, quite can't strong. Complain. What's better, Epcot we'll or Epcot or Disney? Where's which? What's your go-to? Well, Epcot's a Disney park, so it's still. But I mean, of the parks, at, like at if, you, if you're like if you're going, if you would you rather be at Epcot or would you rather be at Magic Kingdom? My favorite park down there is hollywood studios wow that's yep. <laughs> that wasn't even on my radar i mean i know it's there but i know all right okay hollywood studios has all the has all the cool star wars stuff and i uh i gotta love me some star wars stuff i'm not a star wars guy so i'm epcot because i like food right here. yeah you know what 32 years going to the pga show never been to disney world Sounds like this is your year, Gene. I will be your <laughs> Disney guide. This is it I've live, to, fully I've, equipped I've live to, from uh, Inside Disney. I've been I've Let's been to Pleasure it. Island one time for some PGA event, that, and I was like, "When did they? When did Disney get into the porn business?" I'm like, "What the hell is this?" I mean, there's like girls offering me Jello shots and things like that. I'm like, "What the?" <laughs> hell? I, I think they got into that industry back in '65 or so. <laughs> Probably '69. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the summer of '69, Gene. You should remember. Yeah. To be yeah. honest, it was you know when my kids were younger. It's like having Disneyland all of you know an hour away. The thought of putting you know three kids on an airplane and flying them all the way to Florida just wasn't really too appealing from a cost standpoint. But Ugh, missed out. Yeah, I know. Missed the train. Sounds like this year could be your year, though, Gene. Well, I mean, if we're all, we'll if, be there at the PGA if, show. If, if we're all going to oh. be at the PGA show, uh, you might have to. Might <laughs> that's a topic send for it, another day, folks. Shiver, send it yeah, shivers yeah. down J Wall's back. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, yeah, another topic for another day. Speaking of topics, though, why don't we actually get to a topic? What are we like? Fifteen minutes into this I mean, episode, we're talking about golf. Yeah, we did talk about Sumitomo. I guess we we did spend a yes. chunk of it talking about golf. Um, this is, we're, we're getting into silly season. Still have one major event left. Limited field hero world challenge. Tiger Woods was in the field. He's no longer in the field, suffered an injury and he is out. And now his status for the match. And he had all also committed to PNC to play with Charlie, both up in the air. So we are looking at a field with, without Tiger, I would say the numbers, the TV numbers are going to be down, but there's always some gear around this time of the year that we can talk about. RB, Eagle Eye RB, spotting the tailor-made new P7 MCs and the P7 CMs in Colin Morikawa's bag. It's the first time that we've seen those boys. What do you think? 
I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way as saying I'm eagle-eyed only because Taylor made tweeted that he had new irons in the bag. <laughs> See, but just 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 take take the compliment. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna point it's that fair. out. It's fair. Take the W. Take, yeah, that's right. I'll take the W. That's right. Uh yeah, we saw those. Um and then I I checked I it's kind of weird because like, you know, normally you check the conforming list for drivers, but I was like, I haven't actually looked for irons yet. So I I went over and lo and behold, you could find version two because of the name. I guess that's just the 2023 version of them. Uh, of the of the p7mc and the p7mb but obviously collins are the cm version if you look at the photos online they certainly look to have a raw finish which means they could either be some type of individual prototype or something like that and i did write about them for golf.com so you can go check it out over there but there's definitely a, a variation to the the muscle again we're talking slight tweaks this is a forged cavity bag this is a solid piece of steel like players are looking for a very specific thing from their golf clubs. And so a lot of times they're, they're doing minuscule tweaks to it. Maybe it's a sole thing. Maybe it's a, a length of the blade, but the, uh, I mean, the MC looks really good. I think the, the interesting thing for Colin is if you look at the blade length of the, of the MC in his bag, I think the P seven CM, which is, is a new one, a new prototype has like a, a more symmetrical back bar straight across the back of the blade uh, but they look longer heel toe. They look like they match more along the size of the MC. And as Colin famously kind of talks about, and everyone kind of knows about his game is that he plays a fade that longer blade length could be something where he prefers that to hit that certain shot uh, compared to say a shorter blade length where someone like Rory prefers that instead, um, which, you know, he's a draw player, right? So this, there's like this visual trick to it as well as, the um, the actual performance variable because you have like a I mean the center of gravity is still in the middle of the face but relative to the hosel if it's a little longer blade it's a little further away so that's always a curious thing like do you um, I mean to get your take with that Chris from a fitting perspective it's you know we've mentioned before but all blades are not created equal because there is that blade length thing that factors in from like you know a shot shape characteristics for sure yeah it's, like, I mean there's <clears throat> Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, no, I'm curious, I'm curious because like you've worked with like tour players in the past, but also just from like a, like a, a fitting perspective, how do you see that working for most players? And it really kind of depends on the player. I mean, there's, there's so many variabilities when it comes to angles that the player creates and strike location, launch windows that they ideally want to see. So, I mean, different shapes will appeal to a player's visual perspective differently. So how they set up to the ball, how they frame or how the club frames the ball. And there's a lot of little individual nuances that go into how a player visually perceives a shape. And I mean, how that influences their strike location. So, I mean, I can move visuals, I can change shapes, I can go longer blade length, shorter blade length, blade length, and tendencies of players will change accordingly. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like when we, we uh, you know, no spoilers here, but when we when we slammed a bunch of lead tape around a driver, Gene on the robot, when we were down in Arizona, I think the first time that ball went up and started curving, I won't say which direction it curved, we all kind of looked at each other and went, holy crap. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was pretty dramatic. That was fun to watch. Yeah, I think we need to do a follow-up to that with, a, you know, smaller amounts and really kind of fine-tune. You know, we showed the, we showed the, the massive differences, but That's not you any know, fun. small amounts is not fun. <laughs> the, the large, the large slabs no, of lead tape. That's where it's at. 
Well, that's like yeah, I know fifteen grams. That was, well, that was then, fun. then 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 mission accomplished on that one, sir. Oh so. hell yeah! Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. It was it was one of my favorite <laughs> tests that we've done. Yeah, we, we, we were all we were all just kind of in awe as we're watching the the ball dance all over the place. I know when when yeah. Ping when Ping did their testing of mud balls, and I, th- I know Dr. Paul posted about it at one point. You can find it on their blog on on their website to exact to exacerbate or exaggerate the the amount of like spin axis change that mud puts on a golf ball they they swung the seven iron i think it was or something at like 100 miles an hour and then they just to get like that that exponential curvature and the thing just like they show the graph and the, the golf ball is like a fountain it just shoots everywhere so people talk about like you know the cover difference and the variances of like dimple size and all those different things you realize how much difference there actually is when you make these little tweaks to a golf ball well it's covered uh, in mud We'll we'll do this test for an upcoming episode. Uh, but when Bryson first started his career out, he discovered that uh, at he really struggled at like a hundred and hundred and ten yards, and he really struggled in the morning when there was dew on the ball. And so he came out with a water bottle and would spray the ball on I was one there half of the side and, and then the other half of the side, and and see. And I'm not going to give it away because I think it'll be a great test that we could we could run. But let's put that one in the books, boys, because it's wild to see what just dew and water does on the ball when it's like half covered. I mean, it'll make you nuts once you once you see this. I think isn't that what Taylor May did with the nano cover on the original carbon, like the stealth driver, like carbon face? Well, before they yeah. put the nano thing yeah. on it they said the spin was like would variate like very like the variation spin was all over the place and it would like shoot all of it so that's why they put that cover on it to help um be like uh, like uh, hydrophobic like what pin calls it like to, to get the water away to kind of keep that yeah they, they yeah. had to put it on there because the the way that that cover the the carbon fiber is designed it it it's gonna change your spin characteristics and so it worked. It would work well for dry conditions, but not so well for wet. So they had to they had to add that that polyurethane to the cover to make sure that they're able to to get the right amount of spin for whether you're playing on a dew sweeping morning or your ball's wet and it's been raining. Um, you got to have it. So yeah, that was definitely there was definitely a reason why it was added to the cover. It's kind of like when people ask. Um, because Vijay Singh, I know this is a, a kind of a throwback, but when Vijay had his Cleveland drivers, they would always put grooves on the club face of his. I remember one time getting uh, a volunteer was handed one of his drivers as like a thing. He did something nice and Vijay just gave him a backup driver. And then this guy brought it into a, the, one of the big box stores where we worked and we were looking at it going, this thing, first of all, it sits open like a lob wedge. And it had this big long hosel and it was tweaked and it was, I think it was a Hybor XL or yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was a Hybor XL. So it was like one of the, not the very first one, but the second one, it had full grooves across the face. And his thing was always like, they wanted friction to reduce spin because his thing was, he felt, which I don't know how he perceived this, but like he felt that the ball would shoot, like roll, slide up the club face without the grooves rather than sticking, which is, you know, later on Bridgestone actually put more and ping does it too they actually put more texture on the driver face to reduce spin which is counterintuitive to like a, a wedge because it like the idea is to increase spin i always th- i always found that like fascinating because it goes to show was was vj have does vj have superhuman <laughs> capabilities of understanding what goes on the club face or is he just seeing ball flight over and over again that he felt like you know he was perceiving something downrange 
I'll tell you, well, I mean, BJ's rumored to I'll have you, hit more golf balls than anybody on tour in his practice sessions. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, thousands funny, of balls. I haven't heard that one before. I'll, t- <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a funny BJ story. Um, uh, TaylorMade hired me to launch. I think it was the uh, the slider uh, at Tory. This is right when it came out. We were in the back end of the range, and we got the robot all, all set up. I checked all the electricity. Um, we were there two hours earlier. Went to turn the robot on, and nothing worked. Couldn't get the robot to swing. Couldn't get it to swing. And like, you know, normal setups like an hour. Hour goes by, can't get the robot to swing. Uh, hour and a half goes by, robot still isn't swinging. I'm ready to just pull the plug. I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden I checked and the electrician had accidentally uh, miswired something. It was supposed to be 110 volt and it was 220. And I was just sending way too much current in and it was causing everything to go bonkers. (laughs) Figured it out and like last minute got it going. And I'm freaking out because I've got to get this whole thing dialed in in an hour or you know an hour's worth of testing in like now 20 minutes so i'm just hitting golf balls and there's this massive monitor with uh this launch monitor data being displayed and i'm trying to get everything dialed in and every time i go to put a ball in the tee i turn around and i hear this guy's voice behind me and he's like why did the ball do that why did the ball do that and i'm like i don't know man i don't know i'm just trying to get this thing dialed in i'm not even like looking at him and he's he has like 10 times Finally, I turn around to go, dude, you got to stop asking me questions. And it's BJ. And he's standing there and he's just like totally obsessed with the robot, the cause and effect of the of the launch monitor. And I'm like, on any other day, I would be happy to explain this. But today's not the day. So, that is amazing. Anyways. Yeah, but we used to test uh, Cleveland used to send down his driver and uh we used to do ball tests uh with his driver and his setup and man it was wild it was really wild i mean he hit i mean back in the day in his prime he hit a moon ball with really low spin the problem was when it it, it, in wind free conditions it was awesome as soon as the wind came up oh my god that ball flew all over the place i mean you know, his, his like perception of the wind and how to adjust with that low spin and be one of the best players in the world still is just mind boggling to me. Something else that was in Morikawa's bag. He's still gaming the original SIM driver, Taylor made SIM. I mean, what do you guys make of that? When you, when you see that, I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I think. I mean, that, a driver was really good, still is really good. And I think that I think he's just so dialed with that driver that he just doesn't want to change. Colin strikes me as the kind of guy. I remember writing a story uh, for golf.com back in 21 around Morikawa noticing some really minor changes and how his irons were impacting the turf when he was at the Scottish Open the week before the Open Championship. And so he went through this, this big testing session with uh, Taylor May Tour rep, Adrian Rietveld, friend of the pod. And, I mean, 
again, Colin's noticing just minor changes in turf interaction that are, that are affecting certain shots for him. And I think it's probably the same thing with the driver. He just, he knows what it does. He's so comfortable with, with hitting his go-to shots with that club that he just does not want to change. I know Taylor probably wants him to, they probably want to see him in, in a stealth product, but I mean, what do you, what, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a guy who's, who's winning and contending with, with the product that's making him perform well or, or try and get him in a new product that might not be the best for him, at least not at that moment. So that's what I think. Well, I, he's not the only guy in tour using the, the using the, the sim still. I think uh, Ryan Moore still had one in the bag as well. Last time I, I saw him uh, out in Vegas, he was, he, and he's like a notorious tinker and he's using like an old, uh, an old driver. But I think for those companies, I think, I think they prefer the hat. Then they'd prefer the driver for us gear nerds is almost more important. So they'd rather have a guy win almost the same way. Uh, like I think uh, I, again, I'm not, I'm a fringe tennis fan. So someone was saying one time, like Federer basically has used the same racket for like 15 years. They just paint like the new one, <laughs> which I think is easier to hide in tennis than it is in golf. Um, you know, unless sure. you're Phil Mickelson and you want to spray paint your, your fairy wood in a bathtub somewhere, just go full Dexter on it. But, you know, I think, if it works, it works. Right. And it's, it's really hard to argue when you're, when you're dealing with one of the best players in the world, who's, who's, as we've, as we've heard from players when we were at the kingdom and like from the fitters and stuff like that, like his perception is pretty insane. Like, I know I get, I don't work with a lot of tour players. I mean, I've worked with like pretty high level players at some point in some times, but like it's got Chris, is it ever frustrating? You're just like, come on, man. <laughs> you ever, cause they're the one who's, they're the one who's right in essence, right? Like sure. they're the right ones. You're not the right person. I mean, I've spent countless hours with, with many guys just hitting drivers. And I mean, the, the differences are so, so subtle, but there's something about a particular head. I mean, there's, there's even been times where I've had you know, half a dozen or more of the same head and we'll sit there and hit them and hit them and hit them and hit them and look at numbers, look at numbers, look at numbers. And I mean, the player will start to make the, the distinguishing choice between We'll hit this one again. This one goes in the no pile. We'll hit this one again. This one goes in the no pile. And I mean, we just start to whittle it down, even though the numbers are so, so close. There'll be something just ever so slightly different that puts that in the yes category and immediately in the no category. It always weirds me out when I think of baseball players' bats. I'm like, a guy, like, yeah. really? Like, honestly, like, it's, it's, a piece of, it's a piece of wood. Wood's been around for yep. thousands and thousands of years. It's carved to a freaking shape, but they've got their bat. Like it's the bat. I'm like, they weigh the same. They put on the same scale. Like they probably came from the same damn tree. If you really wanted to, like, what is the difference? I don't get it. But you know, like again, there's They're probably some type corked. Of pers- yeah, yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> this the Sammy Source Sosa cork bat splits or whatever, right? But like, I just I find that the most the most fascinating part of it because it's like. That's like a homogeneous freaking material that's got paint on it, guys. Like, you can't go nuts with it like that. But, you know, titanium driver is very different. Yeah, it's right. it's interesting. I mean, we can physically replicate all of the exact same build specs, and the only variance is going to be, I mean, materials. But it loft checks the same, swing weight's the same, static weight's the same, length grip size i mean we break out the micrometer and measure everything down to the you know the 10th and it's mathematically the same 
and they'll hit them side by side. Numbers will be very, very close, and they'll like one over the other and for whatever reason. All right, so I noticed that I'm not the only one who goes on these gear deep dives. I saw that RB was doing a little bit of eBay deep dives, just really getting in deep into that rabbit hole to try and find some of those oddball golf clubs. And it got me thinking, what are some of the most bizarre golf clubs that you've ever seen? The ones that made you go, and I'm sure Gene's got some good ones having tested basically everything under the sun, but what are some of those clubs that just made you say, what the hell, man? Oh, Gene, oh, you, want you got to kick this <laughs> off, Gene. Yeah, so, let's let's uh, hear it, Gene. So, so the first the first one I think I touched on this I don't know a year or so ago I can't name the name but um, there was a non conforming product that was full non conforming like every bell and whistle imaginable uh, trying to kind of maximize distance and what was really interesting about it never came to market but what was really interesting about it is their goal was for like an 80 mile an hour player to get 20 extra yards. And I think we got up to like 12 or 14 yards and we just couldn't get past that point. I mean, there was there and the people that were involved in this were really bright people, um, industry veterans that, that knew all about collision dynamics. But, uh, the bottom line is there was just kind of a limit to technology as far as being able to generate. The other one that comes to mind that was a company from PEI, Prince Edward Island, that had a center shafted driver. So the shaft went right in the middle of the driver head. And that one had some really interesting dispersion characteristics. Um, but that one, yeah, all the. All the kind of the oddball ones, they, uh, you know, they, they have a tendency. They don't seem to stick around very long. I've got, uh, so other than eBay, I've got this book, uh, by Jeffrey B Ellis called the golf club. It's like 400 years of, uh, you can go find it online. Uh, I got this as a gift. It's actually, I think it's signed by him, which is really cool. Uh, I didn't realize I owned the book for like a month and someone was like, do you know it's signed? And I was like, no, I didn't realize it. It was just, okay, that's cool. Um, but anyways, there's like all kinds of like stuff that was like ideas that have come and gone. Like the original carbon wood was actually made by Yonix in 1984. And so like the whole head is carbon. And then there's another one in here, which was actually a persimmon driver that has holes in the face, like little tiny slits in the face and a channel at the back. So you could actually, it actually lets air flow through, like through the head with the goal of increasing club head speed. So like people have been thinking a weird junk forever when it comes to like trying to make stuff better. But the one I found on eBay was called a Goldwyn Mills driver and God, it was ugly. When I posted on Instagram, people were like, Oh, I had like those irons or I had this and I had that. And I'm like, you know, as a kid, you know, I don't know. I think I, um, if anyone here like watches bluey, you know, the kids show bluey. I don't know if anyone else is aware of that, that or show. not. It's great. Right. So like, that I, I think it was the dad who's like his like famous thing is like it was crazy it was the 80s man like i feel like the 90s was like this weird explosion of like golf course construction and companies getting into golf that like should not be in golf because there is so much weird junk from like the early 80s when like they could cast different things and use different materials 
to like the nineties where then like, you know, they got into like full titanium drivers and things really kicked off with like the big Bertha, but there was just so much junk, like really, truly like awful, awful ideas. This book is like, there's tons in here. I'll post some more pictures on Instagram, but like there are some awful ideas in here. And most of the stories end with, and then they went out of business. <laughs> like, it's just it, 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 all the story. Don't, don't bring <laughs> shitty golf club like, designs to market. Like everyone always talks about the power pod, right? Like everyone, like it's like this famous, like ugly golf. Oh, club, I tested right? that. <laughs> what now? How did it test though? Cause it was supposed to not slice the ball. Uh, did it work? I, yeah, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. So I'm going to no, be nice. Not at liberty to speak of it. Or I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be nice on this. But, I mean, it had some characteristics, it, you know, uh, you know, as we all know, uh, there's, there's a great, there's a great line that was told to me when I first got in this business by Dick Ruggy, who was the, the head of R&D at TaylorMade and ended up running the USGA research technical director. And he stole this line from the chairman of Revlon. And chairman of Revlon stood up one time at um, the uh, annual sales conference. And he said, gentlemen, we do not sell lipstick. We sell hope. And that line so resonates to the golf industry. And so it's, you know, it's theory versus reality. And in my world, it's all reality. But I do look at the theory. And, um, you know, if you can kind of get a close or bridge that gap a little bit, you know, you're going to make golfers happy along the way, you know, there, but the other, you know, kind of cornerstone that I always think of when I think of golf equipment is, it's the Indian, not the arrow. And there's only so much that that piece of golf equipment is going to do. And it really is based on the swing that you put it on. So, you know, to your question, can it cure a slice? There's nothing on this planet that can cure a slice from an equipment standpoint. Can it, can it minimize your slice? Yeah. Okay. Then we can start talking and then we have to quantify exactly how much, how bad is your slice, what your club head to speed is, blah, 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 blah. But that goes back to hope. If there's just the hope that it can help me a little bit, I'm going to chase it and I'm going to buy it. So I, got, I got like 15 things running in my head right now. The first is like thinking yep. of like selling hope is uh, like we all know that the Tiger King or not Tiger, sorry, not Tiger King, the liver King. I don't know if anyone knows who this guy is on social media, like the super jacked up guy oh, that like yeah. supposedly eats like meat all the time or whatever. I've like fringely understood who he was. And then he was like exposed for like selling natural health products for like, you know, building muscle. And then you realize he's taking like $10,000 to steroids a month or something like that, something <laughs> insane. Um, but the other one is, uh, and I, you know, there were good people behind this, this product. And I was, the only reason I know that I was thinking about this was because I was going through my phone. Um, like I had an old phone that I, I gave, this is going to sound like, it sounds very entitled at this point, but I have a very old iPhone that I gave to like my kid. And I just, she just uses it to take pictures now, right? It's a brick, essentially. The battery lasts like 20 minutes. So I gave her this thing, but I was like, I got to clear all the old photos off this thing. And it's from like a, there's one from like a PGA show from like 2016 or so, whenever the phone came out. And not only is there a picture of me taking a selfie with Lydia Ko as like a teenager, which doesn't seem, it still isn't that long ago anyways. Uh, but there's a thing called the happy putter. And the people who came up with this thing had uh, like, I think there was, there's some good people behind it. And I think that at one point they had 
they had like started Never Compromise or they were involved with Never Compromise. But it doesn't mean that just because you have one great idea means you're going to have another great idea. Because this thing had about 1,700 moving parts and it had screws and Allen keys and you could adjust the loft and you can adjust the shaft and you can do all these things. And, you know, people are scared to use the wrench on their driver. <laughs> and then you're going to give them a putter that has 1,700 different settings. Like, it's probably not going to work, guys. And I, I found this picture on my phone. It was like blue and like had all these like anonized parts to it. And he was like, oh, you can change the loft with this part and order this part. And like people don't even know how to change grips, guys. Like no offense here, but like you, you want someone to change the loft on their putter. I think, uh, I think, you know, there's a reason it ended up in the, in the, it didn't make it pile of the golf industry. Well, and, and then you know, they went out of business. And then they went out you got, of business. You, you, got, you got to remember, though, it wasn't just the small companies. I mean, Callaway introduced the ERC, which was a non-conforming driver, and, you know, kind of tarnished the name of Arnold Palmer because Ely trouted him, you know, touted, touted him as the spokesman, and Palmer later claimed he had no idea what he was endorsing. Um, they also introduced the C4, which was their first carbon product that was like four miles an hour slower in ball speed than anything else out there, even their own titanium products. And then probably the greatest failure that everybody, you know, kind of focused on was matching a golf ball to a golf club. And so um, Spalding did that and they had the, the golf balls that matched to TaylorMade and matched to, um, uh, Callaway heads for the launch spin characteristics and nobody bought into it. So, you know, I think, uh, I think there was a lot of innovating because that was the period when that was a period to be honest with you, though, you could get 10 yards out of a golf club and, and or 15 yards, like you could see massive increases. And so because of that, I think that uh, companies were more willing to risk but I also think that there was more potential for innovation, whereas now, you know, we've reached a more mature stage in the industry where uh, we know what works and, and what doesn't work. So you're not going to see, you know, even amongst the kind of the fringe companies or the companies trying to come in, we have a, a fairly decent knowledge base of what is going to succeed and not. So you're not going to quite see innovation, but I think innovation, like you talked about in the nineties really is what drove the industry to, you know, these were all kind of building blocks for every failure. That's one box that's checked that leads you to, you know, potential success or the evolution of um, a better product. So if I'm thinking craziest clubs, I always think back to the TaylorMade Nubbins putter. That <laughs> oh, the Nubbins. That yes. Nubbins with the basketball insert. I mean, it, it felt like that's just like the basketball, like cover on a basketball, those little, the little bumps. And it was, oh man, I, there are a lot of great TaylorMade putters. That one was not one of them. It was not that consistent. Was not one. That was not one of them. It was not consistent. It was it was something else. The other one is tied to quite possibly one of my favorite stories ever. Back in it was let's see that was 2020. I was at the Genesis at Riviera, and there was Alex Rodriguez in his bag of clubs, and this is this 
This one probably could have got me in trouble, except A-Rod's people, I think, just got bored with it after a little while. But his bag was sitting there, or a bag of clubs that they, I was told were his. And it was just this hodgepodge of, of clubs. There were four four irons in the bag. One of them was a Ping Zing II. Uh, there was a Wilson, a Tommy Armour, uh, a Mizuno comp z6 iron i mean it was it was probably like 20 golf clubs some of them had old plastic still on the heads and i'm like i asked one of the, one of his handlers i'm like are you sure these are a rod's clubs he's using these in the pro-am today yep cool all right so i just started snapping photos and he had this putter in there it was a brass baseball shaped baseball bat shaped putter head with a rod on the back of it. I mean, it had to have been, you know, 10 or 15 years old. And this thing just looked terrible. I'll post pictures on the fully equipped account for those that maybe weren't listening to the pod. Um, when I initially told this story, but yeah, this like baseball shaped putter, people will make putters out of whatever random shapes. This one just, it looked bad, but again, it was one that was in a rods bag. And I just thought, can, can a rod even hit the center of the putter face on this? I mean, the, the little, like baseball bat was not very large and it, it did not look all that great, but yeah, I posted the pictures and A-Rod's people reached out and asked if they could have a chat. And I was worried that I was going to get, you know, thrown in a closet and never to be seen from again, but then they never responded back to my initial, uh, follow-up. So yeah, those two, both putters, but the nubbins probably more than the A-Rod putter. The A-Rod putter just has a cool story behind it. I remember that piece with all the mixed master clubs, and I thought, what the hell is going on? Like, why? Did no one like people give stuff to why exactly people give stuff to celebrities all the time? And this guy can't get a like can't even get a set of like game improvement golf clubs from like some random company to go play in a pro am. Did no yeah. one look at him and go, like, here, you know, you should probably get take this this set of rentals here? Like so he I guess he had a set of PXGs and Somebody on his team was told to grab his golf clubs and they apparently went into his into his garage and just found an old bag with a bunch of like mismatched clubs and just picked up the bag and, and some clubs and threw a few more in there and then just threw the bag in a travel case and off they went. And they ended up on the it's, range at Riv. It's like there's a there's a <laughs> meme that goes around and it's like it goes shows up on like Twitter meme golf accounts once in a while and it's the uh it's from wolf of wall street where leonardo dicaprio is playing golf and it's like i don't know how good of a golfer leonardo dicaprio or jordan belfort or whoever like whatever you want to character in the movie was was like he was so high playing golf that like he was playing right and left-handed like there was just no direction to this shooting this scene there was like right and left-handed clubs in spec and i'm sure it was done just because like again the person didn't care but it's like always that thing where like you see even like golf photo shoots for like clothing or any type of like terrible process like this is why movies hire technical directors to have these kind of things because like if you ever watch a breakdown like a slow motion breakdown of like uh uh, i don't know like a person who's like a a firearms expert breaking down john wick they're like yeah so this is a beretta foot of whatever and it takes nine shots and listen you can count the shots one two three four five six seven nine and then he reloads and then like he goes again it's like yeah that's why that that technical director got paid a lot of money so someone else can go that guy's right I used to hate watching movies with my mom because my mom was a worked for the was a police officer and then worked at the worked as a firearms instructor. Although like I'm not a big like guns person, but like I'm slightly kind of aware of things. And it was super annoying watching any movie with my mom because she's like, no cop would enter ever enter a room with a gun pointed like that. What are they trying to do? Shoot the ceiling like this or whatever? Like or like what are they going to do? Shoot the ground when they walk? All right, mom. Just be quiet. Can we just watch the? Can we just watch the movie? 
like, can we just watch I don't need Die to know Hard to... in Peace? Yeah. Can we just watch, <laughs> exactly. can we just watch Bruce Willis storm into this building right now? Because I don't care how he's holding his gun. He's not going to die. <laughs> the guy on the other side is. I do have to say my favorite club in A-Rod's bag, aside from the putter, was he had a Callaway ERC2 driver. Nice. And for a guy who was um, suspended from baseball. That is funny. For using performance enhancing drugs <laughs> to have an illegal driver in the bag. Uh, chef's kiss. That's anyway. Well, well, pl- well played, A-Rod. Well there played. There we go. Well, well played. Yeah. Very appropriate. You played yourself, buddy. Um, anyway. All right. Well, before we close out this episode, we, we usually do, or at least we try to do some sort of a rundown of what we're going to discuss. And RB threw this one together and at the bottom said, go to karaoke songs. Are we really going to close this out with go to karaoke songs? Yes, we are. RB, take it away. Oh, you're going to make me answer first. I actually didn't even have one. No, I don't know. Um, I'm always like a Beastie Boys fan. And you know him to sing. So that's like, I'll usually pick a Beastie Boys song because it's easy. You can just kind of yell and scream it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and if you do sabotage, it's just like kind of fun. So that's if they do have that, that's always a good one to go with. I can just see the wheels turning in Chris and G's head right now. Oh no! I, well, no I'm no, trying no. to decide I, if I if I, I actually want to give the real answer. We want the real answer. Why. I'll give my real answer. I'll go next. Why not? Uh, if you're going for like best or like go to karaoke songs, what about White Snake? Here I go again. Oh, I mean, that's just making me I mean, that's just making me feel greasy <laughs> thinking about the lyrics to that song. So <laughs> I mean that's that's like a classic karaoke song. Plus, I mean, whether whether you're a decent singer or just truly terrible, I mean you can't really screw that one up. Yeah. I, I've got a voice that peels paint, so <laughs> I really try to uh, yeah, I try to stay away from karaoke, but I have been to Asia so many times and been sucked into so many karaoke bars. And so I just decide I'm going to punish them for making me do this. And so it's either country roads or desperado. And, uh, I give it my full throated effort. And by the end, they're just, I've got faces looking away. to Endure the end of the song. So don't invite me to your next karaoke party. I didn't even think of country roads, but like there was a time when I can't remember there was, it was in a movie or something. And my, my daughter had heard it. And like she, at the time she was like four years old and all she wanted to do in the car was like play that song. I had to play that song on repeat for like two weeks. It was just John Denver over and over <laughs> and over again in the car. Nice. And I was like, it's okay. Cause the school, the ride to school was like four minutes. So it's like, we only had to listen to it once, but it was like every day I want to listen to the, the country song. Oh Yeah. Yeah, they could they could use that worse. song at some of the they could use that song at some of those black sites for uh, you know inhuman torture if you hear it for more than once or twice. But anyways, all right, Chris, what's yours? Chris is just stalling. Uh, He's playing the stall I was, game. I, I was I was really hoping we were going to run out of time. So <laughs> full disclosure, You're not that lucky, if, buddy. Uh, if we're going. Real story. I am much like Gene, as I am very, very tone deaf when it comes to any type of singing. The one and only time I have uh, sung a karaoke song was college days. One of our buddies was getting married, and 
at the beginning of his bachelor party, we were at a bar that, unbeknownst to us, had karaoke that evening. So uh, a group of friends and I decided that it would be a great idea in our drunken state to get on stage and embarrass our friend by singing It's Raining Men. (laughs) You're an asshole. (laughs) So that was the uh, one and only time I have ever sung a karaoke song and please please tell me there's video video footage of this please please that (laughs) i i'm not uh i'm not going to confirm or deny that but uh yeah there were there were several people with phones out at that particular point in time enjoying that performance but that was the that was the one and only I'll forgive you for all your speaker nonsense if we can post that up on fully equipped on, a, on no any of our social. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> all right. Bye. Well, I think that's a good place to close out this week's episode of Fully Equipped. I'm, I'm try- I was looking at dates as we were talking about our, our go-to karaoke songs. Here in at least the next couple of weeks, maybe maybe the 14th, maybe the 21st, I want to do a special edition of Fully Equipped. We've been doing some giveaways recently. I've been teasing. Maybe we'd do a holiday gear giveaway, gear bonanza. It's coming. So be on the lookout. We'll have some details. Let's say on next week's Fully Equipped, we'll have some more details on this gear giveaway coming up. Um, guys, I was I was wondering if I should even mention this, but when we reconvene next week fully equipped i will have played my number one bucket list golf course it's happening next week i'm excited you've already played augusta national so lay it on us what do you got i already played pine valley already played pine valley where where are you heading jaywall i'm headed to the west coast cyprus west coast and i'm playing cyprus Wow. Congratulations. Going to lose all my golf balls on 16, trying to hit the green. So I will report back from my day at Cyprus. I am extremely psyched. Won't, won't try to go too what, in depth what day because you I get a lot of eye rolls. I'm not saying. I'm not saying what day I'm playing because I don't want anybody else showing up to the course thinking they're going to be playing Come with on. me. You know, we've, had, we've had two stories in the last month on golf.com about hole-in-ones on what, 16 by guests of the same member right so i know i don't again not not no details here but like it'd be you know if there is some weird chance that like you end up making another one for like the seventh and the whatever whole kind of thing right like that will end up being on you know you'll have to get the video out you'll have to show up on the the front page everyone's going to talk about everyone's going to wonder what club you hit you know there's going to be it's going to that's going to be the whole thing jonathan you got to you know yeah, first of all, I gotta hit the green, but if it goes in the hole, then everyone's gonna you know wonder what the club was. I just want to hit the green. Just like when I played Augusta, all I thought about the night before was getting to 12 T box. And I just wanted to to make par. That was it. And I made par on 12. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm good. So it'll be fun. I'll have the, the full recap on Cyprus next week. And like I said, we'll have some more details on the Christmas slash holiday gear giveaway coming up. Thanks to all for listening. Oh, wait, you know what? I should probably tell you, if you want that more gear news, check us out on social media. We're at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. There we go. 
Thanks as all for listening. We'll see you next week.